Hello, welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm host Jason Meeker. Thanks for listening. Uh, we got a real special treat this episode. The shark farmer himself, Rob Sharkey, podcaster, farmer, outfitter, has uh, graciously agreed to come and talk to me. And um, if you haven't listened to the Shark Farmer podcast, you really need to check it out. I found it a couple of weeks ago. And as soon as I listened to the most recent episode, I instantly went back to show number one and I've been listening to him in order ever since. So uh, he's been podcasting since last summer. He has a lot of great guests and we'll talk about that a little bit in the interview. And so without any further delay, here's my, my discussion with Rob Sharkey. Today, I'm excited to welcome Rob Sharkey, farmer, outfitter, and podcaster. Rob farms in Bureau County, Illinois, uh, on land that has been farmed by his family since 1854. So my first question is, who was president in 1854? Uh, wow, I, I wasn't aware there was going to be a quiz <laughs> on this. But yeah, thanks, thanks for the heads up there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to look it up, too. It was Franklin Pierce, actually, who was, he's often been described as the worst president one of the worst presidents of u.s history so that's an interesting tidbit so, that was going to be my first guest yeah all right so on your proof on your profile on on your podcast page um it says that you have implemented modern technology and conservation practices to your farm um can you talk about some of those practices well i'm, I'm getting ahead of myself first i want you to talk about your operation and then i'll get into some of the practices that you use and how you decide um, which technologies you want to implement? It's a pretty simple farm. I mean, we just rain, raise corn and soybeans, which seems to be 90, probably 99% of the crops around here uh, were, were suited well for, for it. So we, uh, we really focus in on those two crops. Uh, old hog farmer, I got out of hogs in 2008 and, and uh, haven't, haven't looked back really. I do miss the manure, but I... I uh, <laughs> I don't miss don't miss the smell at all. But no, that's that's basically it. We just raise corn and soybeans. We I rotate them, and okay. uh, we have a kind of a mixture of uh, kind of no-till and conventional till. All right. So um, how do you so so conventional and no-till? What other what other modern or newer uh, practices do you technologies do you use, and how do you decide which ones to try? Well, it was a lot easier to decide when corn was at $5, yeah. but we, we like to try to pick out the ones that are, are going to get a good return on investment. So, you know, I've got the toys, I've got the auto steer, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, like right now, um, I do have a niche to where I'm also a deer outfitter, so right. I can, can lease some of these, these timber fields, maybe the ones that aren't so square. Um, I can, I can offer more because I can also make more money on the, the hunting side of that. But those fields tend to be kind of odd shaped in that. So I'm currently looking at, you know, putting clutches on a tractor to try to save the amount of seed that I, I don't want to overplant basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I travel a lot, talk to a lot of farmers. Um, I think there's a perception that in the part of Illinois that you're in, everything is flat and, and, black dirt as deep as you could care to dig. Uh, so a lot of the, um, 
some of the precision things aren't even really necessary in those kinds of fields. What do you, what you said, you have a lot of strange shaped fields. So, um, explain how, uh, people that might think that, um, are mistaken. Well, we do have a, a good mix and I, I'm very, very lucky. I've got some very nice flat black dirt fields that are in a square shape, which are wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, the, everybody else wants to farm those too. So, you kind of you have to pay, you know, especially when you're you're renting for them. You really have to pay for those types of fields. But if you get closer to the Illinois River, which is about 20 minutes away, you start going down the bluff, and and yeah, it gets a little goofier. You know, you start getting some more timber, some more draws, and uh, you know, there with the outfitter, I've just been able to uh, to rent that ground uh, more successfully than in these these really nice flat black square fields. Okay. Um. So about six, nine months ago, you started the, uh, the Shark Farmer podcast. What, what made you decide to start a podcast? Well, I had a, uh, a hunter come in, and mm. she had a podcast, a hunting podcast, Carrie Zilka. And the more she talked about it, it uh, we, I got interested in it. I've been an outfitter since 1999, and every time I've had a good hunting story, I've wrote it down in a notebook. So I've got a bunch of really cool, really funny hunting stories. So that was the original plan. I was going to just start a kind of a hunting story podcast. But right off the bat, I interviewed some farmers. Uh, I interviewed uh, Jennifer Campbell from Indiana, and that one really took off. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, not just farming, but advocacy and, and the um, the amount of, of traffic we got on social media from that really showed me that that's what people were interested in. And besides, that interview was a lot of fun for me. So it was kind of a no-brainer to kind of switch gears over to a, kind of a ag-focused podcast. Yeah, I, I, I just found your show just a couple of weeks ago and um, listened to the most recent show and then um, decided I better go back and start from the beginning. So I went back to the beginning and, and noticed <laughs> right away the, the shift. Um, because I, I'm I don't hunt. Uh, I know a lot of people who do. So some of the the outfitter topics, I was like, well, I can just skip those. But I ended up listening yeah. <laughs> listening to them anyway because everybody's stories it can be so interesting, and you do a good job of of bringing out that um, their story. I think, um, which it makes makes it a lot of fun to even listen to to topics that maybe aren't necessarily in my wheelhouse. Um, so who, who in your mind is your audience for your podcast? Is it other farmers or is it end consumers or who, who do you want to hear your, your podcast? Well, uh, the shark farmer podcast is, is a business, a business podcast. I'm t- okay. talking to other, other farmers. Now we are, we're talk- talking about how to talk outside of our echo chamber, but mm-hmm. the podcast is, is pretty much inside the echo chamber which I was a little concerned about. So when the opportunity arose with Carrie Zoka, the one that originally got me going into to start another one that would be outside of it, um, mm-hmm. we call it the Farmer in the City Girl podcast, where we're actually trying to um, talk to the consumers as much as the farmers. So that's uh, that's a new venture. Um, it's It started out really well, and <laughs> it'll be a learning process, and it'll be a lot of fun to see what that one evolves into 
Yeah. So that leads me right into the the next question I was going to ask was the uh, the farm rural ag network podcast network. Talk talk about how how that came. You kind of alluded to it a little bit here, but uh, uh, you just launched that this week. Uh, talk about that. Well, when you went and tried to find farming podcast or, or ag podcast, it was it was not easy to do. When you Google it, you it kind of got random stuff. A lot of uh, uh, times you were getting podcasts uh, that were more like the um, uh, the the people inside the suburbs that had a backyard garden, stuff yeah. like that, that would call it farming. Most of the podcasts are, are through iTunes, and iTunes search matrix is just completely dumb. But if whatever, I suppose, I suppose they're iTunes, they can do whatever the heck they want to. But it just goes off the name of the podcast. Right. So if you have like backyard farmer whatever it's you put in farming podcast you're going to get that so collaborated with two other podcasters uh, Wendell Shum and Tam Hamrick and and we decided we were going to start a network kind of a catch-all for for actual production agriculture podcast right and uh, teamed up with BASF and we're able to to launch that this week so we've got uh, we've got what five in there right now and and the goal is to bring in other ag podcasts Um, we're vetting some as we speak. And so that way, uh, someone that wants to listen to a podcast about production agriculture, they can find a bunch of them very easily. Great. Yeah, I I was really excited um, when you kind of teased that uh, network to me last week uh, to to learn more about it and and see see what what it's about. So you're going to now I'm so bit of a confession. I'm I'm guessing that our listenership is going to go way up on the fact that we have <laughs> you on our podcast and your listenership is probably going to not see much of a uh, <laughs> much of a difference um oh come on now <laughs> <laughs> uh but i do know that uh next week you're going to be a commodity classic for for the network um and so hopefully some people will be listening to this before before com- before Commodity Classic or listening to it on their way to San Antonio. So um, let people know that might be coming to Commodity Classic next week, what they, why they should come to your booth and wh- what they can expect to find there. Well, originally uh, we were got a, we got a booth down there because we wanted a, a sponsor. And we said, well, we'll just go down there. You know, everybody's down there. We'll, we'll get a sponsor. So, but we thought before we did that, Maybe we'll throw out some feelers for it. So we've sent out some letters, and uh, uh, man, it was it was humbling. I mean, I, they kind of came out of the woodwork. It, it's, so there was a lot of interest in in companies wanting to sponsor ag podcast, and so now we're going down kind of at a different thing, just as a promotion thing. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. be doing some interviews. So like, if you ever wanted to be on the Shark Farmer podcast, I'm going to be interviewing. We'll just line up people that sign up, and I'll be doing five minute interviews and then it'll, it'll go out. Um, and I know the other Tim and Wendell are going to be doing the same. So you can, here's your chance to, to get interviewed on a, on a, on a podcast, but, uh, we're hoping to promote it. We're hoping people sign up for the network and, uh, to bribe people to sign up <laughs> for the network. We're actually giving, we're giving away a free hunt. Yeah. I saw, I saw you tweeted that out and I thought, well, that's, that's a pretty good prize. So, uh, um, <laughs> you should get a, hopefully get a lot of, uh, a lot of interest based just on that. So, um, not to mention how, um, 
how much how popular podcasting has become in recent years. I actually started podcasting back over 10 years ago when I was at Ohio State, but it was just me reading the Ohio State corn newsletter. It was pretty bad. I actually <laughs> went back to <laughs> went back to see if I could find it, um, but it's not it doesn't exist anymore. So, but uh, uh <laughs> luckily for everyone. Um well, let me ask you. I yeah. mean, you know, successful farming. You guys are like a juggernaut, an ag media juggernaut. So it's it's, it's kind of interesting to me, you know, that you've you're we're doing a podcast too. So is it you think it's something that is just going to continue to gain in popularity? I think so. I just I I believe that the uh, the time shifting ability to be able to choose when you can listen to it. Um, kind of the grassroots, kind of like the way you, the way you've been doing it, uh, anybody can start a podcast and it, getting it found, that's the hard part. Um, but once, once you get a little bit of, of momentum, I think, um, the, the audience is there and, um, it's just a new way to, to get information and to share information. I proposed our podcast a, a while ago, um, but the first few shows were just kind of a proof of concept and um, kind of the low-hanging fruit. I interviewed a lot of our editors, so I could just bring them into my office and interview them, um, kind of schedule them at my leisure. This is this show actually is one of the first ones where I actually went out and recruited a, a actual real life guest outside of the, these four walls here. Um, now so. your, your editors, when you interview your editors, do they cuss a lot since it's a podcast? <laughs> I haven't, haven't had to address that issue yet, but there are probably a couple huh. that might, uh, might need reminded, <laughs> but no, so far it hasn't been a problem and, um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, has that changed for you on your podcast now that you've got some, actual corporate in interest being sponsored now or is that are they no, cool with no, it no. just don't change anything yes they were that's and that's why we were we were very happy to partner with them because yeah. they they didn't they didn't want to do that now i because i the first few i i someone cussed i just let them cuss but then i started getting messages you know hey hey love your podcast but you know, I got kids in the back seat mm-hmm. when I'm listening to it. You no, know, self. Yeah, I, I I beep out the big ones now. <laughs> the, the the big dogs. Yeah, right. we, we got to beep those out. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, <laughs> keep it family friendly. So, I guess. Damn it, <laughs> son of a. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite? <laughs> what's your favorite part of the day, and why? Oh man, I, you know, usually at night um because that's when the kids will be bed it's just uh, my wife and i and Mm -hmm. we can you know we can we can unwind and we can talk and not have the mommy daddy voices we we could just be real with each other and talk about the day and and yes that's nice when it's finally just her and i and we can kind of unwind and really talk about what happened during the day so yeah that's that's definitely my favorite okay um yeah that's a lot of people, I think, think that early in the morning, but end of the day, you're done. <laughs> Everything's done. Nothing else left to do. You can just relax. So, yeah. Um, yeah, with- I don't. I don't know where this deal was with, with farmers getting up early. I mean, that's <laughs> I, uh, what the heck. 
I mean, I'll get up early enough, but I'm not going to get up at four every morning and just drink coffee and read the paper. Dude, I want to sleep in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so which season is better, planting season or harvest season? Ah, come on now. That's not a fair... I, I, um, I guess I'll go... Planting is most exciting because it's like the new beginning and all that mm. stuff. It's getting warm and that. But it's, uh, to me, harvest is less stressful. Okay. Because, you you know, you only, when you're planting, you got to get it done. Right. And, and so, I mean, it's, you don't stop. You just, you get a window and you go, go, go. Harvest, you know, you, I don't know. It seems like it's less stressful. If, uh, you know, if you get rained out a day, it's actually kind of nice. You know, yeah. you could kind of grease stuff and that. But so, yeah, I, I like planting more, but harvest is the kind of maybe the more enjoyable one where you, where you stop for lunch with the, the family and stuff. Good, good. What's the uh, oldest piece of equipment that you still use? Huh, that's, well, I do have um, a John Deere 6030, okay. which I hopefully will never have to sell because it was my dad's. My dad's mm-hmm. passed away, mm-hmm. and he, he loved that tractor. And it's, it is, it's an awkward, clunky thing that I've got to fixed up, but, uh, I, I still like to haul in some corn with it. We take it out and maybe do this and that with it, but honestly, I'm not really using it. So other than that, it was, well, I think my, and my 9,200 is a, uh, maybe a 1999, Okay. but it's still pern like, pern like a kit. <laughs> what's, what's the newest piece of equipment you've got or technology? Ah, well, let's see. Trying to think. I think my combine is a 2011. So that would that would be the newest. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the next? What what what's next? What's the next piece of equipment or technology you you want to get? Man, you're making me remember this stuff. Uh, I think my 8430 is 2009, maybe 2007. I don't know, something like that. Mm -hmm. I've got i consider my equipment lineup to be good it's mm-hmm. it is far from brand new but um you know as a hog farmer we kind of grew up with uh, more uh, seasoned equipment junkier right. stuff so um but no i i've you know with stuff that is within 15 years old i'm i'm perfectly happy with yeah. it I, I i love going out there i mean the the soundproof cabs and everything i mean it's just i Love being in the combine. You know, the problem being the actual farmer, the the, the boss, is that you don't get to do that very often because right. you're out put, put, putting out whatever farm or fire is going on, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were you're the were the were the youngest in your family. I my my dad was the oldest in his family, but my grandpa was a hog farmer in southeastern Iowa. Um, up until he retired, I'm not exactly sure when it was, but I would not be surprised if if your dad and my grandpa didn't run in some of the some of the same circles um, back in the day. So, um, oh yeah, that was like a. I mean, those pork producer meetings were like big parties back then. <laughs> yeah, I I remember um, hearing stories about auctions on my grandpa's farm, and they'd bring the Schwann man in and just <laughs> just open up the Schwann truck. <laughs> and uh and then and then tally it up at the end <laughs> so yeah everybody it, it was definitely di- different it was definitely a different culture there was a lot 
lot of excitement back then. And like I said, they used to fill up gymnasiums at the meetings. And I was actually on the Bureau of County Pork Producers when we closed it out. Oh. And this was like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I was I didn't even have hogs, but I was still on there. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, it was five of us doing shots at a bar. <laughs> and that's how we closed out the Bureau of County Pork Producers. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds sounds appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so what's your favorite Chris Souls feature, eyes or smile? Oh, oh man, that guy's got a smile that can melt. What the hell kind of question is that? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I watched every episode of that. Yeah, about that Bachelor, I watched every episode that he was on. And I'll, I'll admit that freely. Okay. Good. I'll, I, <laughs> I, I did not, unfortunately, but... That's it. That's it. That's a different. That's for other reasons. Is your planner ready for hashtag plant seventeen? No. Next question. It's, <laughs> it's in the process. Okay. Thank good, you. Good. Good. We're running a little. I like to have it done by February, and I doubt it gets done this year. Okay. What do you see as the future for the the podcast network for your podcast? Um, what What do you hope to? What do you? What's your goals? Well, I hope it keeps growing. I uh, I never, I mean, honestly, like in, like when I was starting it, you kind of daydream about how it was done. I never thought it would take off like it did. Um, but I, I, I'm going to focus on, on every episode. I mean, everyone's got to be good mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I think if you want it to continue to grow, you can't, can't be lax on it. So, and really it, Still, um, it is not hard to find incredible, incredible people to, to interview. In fact, I mean, I've got a list and, and it's it's really nice because people will say, you know, either, you know, you should interview this person or, you know, I would love to be on there. And I mean, that's that's kind of humbling when someone will actually take the time and suggest it. I've got a, you know, I keep them on a notebook thing. I think I'm, I'm up to about 90 names right now wow. of, of people that have either been suggested or suggested themselves so you know i can only do one a week so (laughs) but it's uh um yes i i i'm just gonna focus on each episode and make that um as good as as i can so that's where it evolves uh i'm gonna be wide open for it so who i like i said i started out as a hunting podcast i had no idea that it would grow into this um i've got your webpage open right now and I'm, i'm looking at your logo and i i I just listened to the first the episode with um, wh- where you first started talking about your your design partners and promoting them a little bit, and you were talking about I want to design with a, a deer head and a shark, and I was like, "There's no shark in that logo," and then I looked at it, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there is a, there are two sharks in that logo." I'm so dumb. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm like, what shark? Oh, there it is. So. Yeah, and it's—I mean—it's from Twitter. I just—I was frustrated because I could never get a shark and a deer put together. And then I—I I knew Leanie Pines designed from her other her, her other Twitter account, and she said, "Hey, you know, can I play around with this?" I'm like, "Whatever, you know, go for it." And then she came up with that, and yeah, I was—I uh, couldn't be happier. We we pretty much use it for everything now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool. I mean, I, before I even saw the double image, I thought it was a cool logo. So, um, <laughs> t- Twitter, what? 
what do you, what do you think is about Twitter makes it so uh, good for for the ag community to to connect? Uh, do you think it's replaced the kind of the coffee shop idea um, and kind of erased the borders? I I like to steal Jennifer Campbell's uh, quote that it is the the water cooler of farming. Mm-hmm. But uh, Twitter Twitter is Twitter is a different beast. Um, I a lot of the old guard advocates, a lot of the ones that um, you know have really done well with the the Facebook blogs and are probably the more well known ones. They seem like they really they struggle on Twitter. Um, yeah. So I it's it's a different animal. You definitely Definitely have to have thick skin on Twitter because it can come back very quickly. Um, but I, I don't know. To me, I don't do very well on Facebook because I, I guess I'm, I like Twitter because I can be honest. And sometimes on Facebook, that doesn't go over so well. It's, it's, I've, like I said, I've been making a concerted effort to get more involved in Twitter recently, and um, have been really, really a lot more happy with it than I was when I was on Facebook. Snapchat, though, that's a whole different thing. Like I said, oh, man, I don't know about the Snapchat, because if whenever you ask anyone young, what's the next thing, there's always Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I think either you figure it out or you become like the people on Facebook (laughs) and go, well, where'd everybody go? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You'll you. I've been listening, like I said, a lot to your podcast. I probably said that way too many times. Uh, I'm gonna, I sound like a fanboy, but uh, um, but every once in a while you'll say something that I'm just like, bam, he is right on. And I think it, part of it is that I think we're almost exactly the same age. I graduated from high school in '92, so there you go. And uh, but '92, '92, '90, '90, '92. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but. You you said something about the filters and on Snapchat, and I was just like, exactly what I don't get it. And and for a corporation to want to try to connect with audience, what I don't, it just I don't know. It seems like it would undermine, or not necessarily a corporation. I have a, a lawyer friend who uh, who is trying to do some social media stuff, and he's like, I don't, I feel like I would lose credibility by just by being on Snapchat. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, I will never comment, like, favor, retweet anyone that ever sends me a Snapchat filter. So don't do it. <laughs> Stop doing it. You know who you are. Knock it off. <laughs> All right. Now that now that we've covered the Snapchat <laughs> sufficiently. <laughs> um so I think you have a really realistic view on the whole advocacy phenomenon um, that it's, it's a necessary thing and it's a good thing, but there are a lot of people who, not a lot, there are a vocal, a vocal group who kind of aren't doing it the right way or are doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, For people who might not have heard your podcast and if they want to hear, hear more, they should listen to your podcast and, and it won't take long to hear to, to kind of figure out your, your take on advocacy, but kind of go into that a little bit. What, what, what do you think of the 
advocacy phenomenon? Well, I gained a reputation on Twitter as being a cyberbully. I will say it was unfairly gained because what I didn't like was when someone was telling their story about their farm, their own damn farm, mm-hmm. is when other people, and it would be people that were probably the the old guard, the, the kind of the elites, the big advocates, would jump on, on them and say, you know, don't use the word slaughter, use harvested, right. don't say they're baby, don't say they're baby animals, use you know, foal or whatever, and it ticked me off, and and I don't filter. So I called him out on it. And you can imagine that that did not go over well um, because these people have never been called out before. Right. So, yeah, you, you, I, I took a lot of it. And, I, you know, I, I will say you can say a lot of things about me, but I do have thick skin. It doesn't doesn't bother me. So oh, they continue to do that. And then when I did, you would get a lot, a lot of messages, direct messages, you know, people's stories. You know, I started a blog I uh, had my kid on a four-wheeler checking the cows, and mm-hmm. I got ridiculed for not having a helmet on, on him, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that that's kind of how I got started on Twitter, and then I just ran with it over to the podcast. I mean, it's, it's – uh, my biggest thing is I'm if you've got, got a farm and you want to tell your story, I want you to tell it the way you want to, and I don't right. want anybody else criticizing it. Just that's just the way it is. Yeah, every, every – fa- Every farm is as different as each individual who's working that working on that farm. There's no there's no one size fits all answer for for anything, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what your your point is. Don't speak for me. I won't speak for you. And let me tell my story my way, which is refreshing. Yeah. One of the interviews that sticks out with me was when I did Amy Matheson. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it was at a time where someone had put a video on Twitter of using a cattle prod on someone. Yep. And, you know, it, it, so there are times where, okay, you see something that's wrong. How do you address that? Do you blast them out? I mean, do you talk behind their back on Facebook groups? Or do you just simply send them a private message saying, oh man, I, that doesn't work? I think that private message, would not stop anybody from doing it again. It's when they get publicly shamed right. that they just kind of, uh, you know, fall back and say, you know, it's just, this is worth it. I don't like the stress, that type of thing. How many of your guests do you find through Twitter? Is it all of them? Or have you, have you, do you find guests any other way? Because so far, every, every guest that you've had, I've gone ahead and followed and found them to be pretty active on Twitter. Um, but like I said, I haven't listened to every episode. So um, is that your main, obviously it's your main source. Is it your sole source? No, I've, I've had a couple non-Twitter people on there, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also not going to ignore the downloads. You know, I keep track of those. And when I have, have someone that's popular on Twitter, I always get that uh, it's, it's really neat. You know, I followed this person forever mm-hmm. and, and it's really neat to actually learn what they're, what they're like. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've used Twitter. Uh, I've used Twitter a lot to find my guests, but there, there's a couple, there's a couple that okay. weren't Twitter people. Yeah. 
this is the last question that I have on my list, but that doesn't mean it will necessarily be the last question I ask you. But um, there's a saying, maybe that's the way I should say it. There's a saying that you learn something new every day. What, what have you learned recently that has been the most interesting or the most valuable? What's the best new thing you've learned recently? Uh, you know, I, I, like to, I like situations where I get humbled because it keeps me humbled mm-hmm. and it's when you I learned today we were talking with with Carrie at about our farmer in the city girl podcast mm-hmm. and and you know she's pointing out you know she was in the hunting world and there you know you've got people on Twitter that have got two three million followers that are kind of the face of hunting up to ten million you know that are the face of hunting you compare that to agriculture where it just doesn't have that type of thing but yet we we do think a lot of ourselves. Uh, we feel like everybody wants to hear our, our story. And um, I, I guess I'm finding out when I walk outside of my echo chamber that the average person just wants to be told the truth about mm-hmm. their, their food, wants to be told the truth about where it comes from. Yeah, the story is great and all, but finding out more and more that people just just want the, the plain truth on it. Don't, don't hide anything. Just tell them how it is and most of the times they're going to accept it you know 50 years ago the the number of acres it was required to support a family was a lot less than it is now and as farms grow in size how do you think that contributes to the perception of the general public um on farming well i you know i people are smart they understand Understand when Walmart moves into the you know right next door from the family grocery that size of scale and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know I've got, I've got four kids and all four of them say how they want to come back to farm and that that's, that scares the hell out of me because I don't know how that's going to happen. Right. And you know I I feel like I've got a good sized farm, um, but when I'm harvesting and the neighbors pull in there with four combines and eight auger carts and a fleet of semis and they knock out 400 acres when I'm still trying to get an 80 done. It's, it's intimidating. It's, it scares you. Um, so you kind of wonder where it's going to go. So I, I think, you know, that the general public just wants to know that their food is safe. You know, whether it's grown by someone like that or someone like myself, it's still basically grown the same, just the size of scale is different. So even though that scares the hell out of me that that guy is, that I've got to compete with that guy, Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure that the, the person going through the grocery store really, really cares about that. Okay. Well, Well, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Sure. So how, how many, how many podcasts have you done? I think this is 10. This will be number 10. Uh, I'm not a nine or 10. And I've got another one scheduled for next week. So obviously we're successful farming. Our audience is going to be production agriculture. Um, but I, th- I think where our show is different than shows like yours is that uh, we're going to try to get more um, – we're able to get higher profile um, – experts not that you couldn't or haven't um the guy you had on no, from monsanto no, I can't. no that's... <laughs> but but you know i 
could I could it's you know once the show is established I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that we could get some members of the House Ag Committee or um or state secretaries of agriculture uh to cuz we're talking to those people anyway and to say hey can we have you know 30 minutes to to have you talk into this microphone instead of having me write down all your answers um we we have that ability so it's going to be a different type of show but also i, I want to be able to have the variety you know we the magazine covers every everything to do with agriculture because it's not just a vocation it's also a lifestyle it's also kind of a, a way of life so we talk about the machinery and the technology and the agronomy and and that side of it but we also talk about how to tell your story who who the new customers are um that are that are coming up the millennials and what what they want to know about how their food is produced and so we're we're covering those stories also so we've got a pretty wide range of of the kinds of people we can have as guests and hope hopefully we can have access to to some of the to some of the people that that the guys out on the farm aren't able to just talk to whenever they want to or can't we can get more than 140 characters out of them at a time if you know you're trying to talk to them on twitter or, or something so um that's that's kind well, of i don't know 140 characters is working for trump <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's true now, um okay but... now i i i know my favorite part of the magazine but i want to know what it what is the most popular part of the successful farming magazine. So according to studies that we do, um, and I don't know, this might be proprietary information. I might not be able to tell you this, but, um, supposedly, Dude, you, oh, this, your listeners are getting an inside track here. Sell yeah. this stuff. All right. <laughs> supposedly the, um, the, the, the last page all around the farm ideas. I knew it. Are, <laughs> are consistently the top, top, um, the, have the top readership, so uh, which is why that's a I love, in the TV show too. So I was gonna I was gonna try to work in a a, a farm idea question. I was gonna ask what what was what's the best idea you've ever stolen from another farmer, and then what's the best idea you've well, had that you've seen is, stolen? The best idea is stealing them from your magazine. <laughs> I hate and love that page because you get good ideas, but then you're like all ticked off that like, well, why have I been doing it this way for years? <laughs> yeah, this is such a simple solution. <laughs> How come I didn't think of it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm even amazed at some of those. I'm like, oh, wow. That, that is a, an amazing idea. So yeah, you should definitely well, send in your that. ideas. And then, then we'd have a reason to come out and, and uh, videotape your, your idea. So actually what I do is when I make coffee, and I have coffee left. I put that in the ice tray. So then, when I make coffee the next day, I put the coffee ice the frozen cube coffee? in my coffee to cool it down. That, but then it doesn't dilute the, you know, it doesn't water it down because mm-hmm. you're using coffee. And then so, it's not too there you hot go. to drink. Feel right free to use the... that one. All right. You know what? We'll we'll come out and we'll shoot you a video for the TV show okay. of you demonstrating how to, how that works. I can't so, wait. So when we when when we're coming through. 
Can you North do, Central, do my picture in like the illustrated type of thing that you do? <laughs> sure. We'll send it to our <laughs> to our to our artist who does those those diagrams. Best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> Write it out and send it into Paula. She's the okay. She's okay. the uh, the one who does the uh, all around the farm ideas. So. <laughs> So I had a whole list of um, crazy Illinois laws because in some of your first shows, and you every time you had somebody on from another state, you say, did you know that in Illinois, it's yeah. illegal to give a dog whiskey? So I had a whole list of those, but I well, haven't, ever, haven't really been able to get to those yet. But uh, what, what's the, uh, what, was the, uh, what was kind of the idea behind doing that? Just I, part of your research? I or? don't know. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. And I've kind of gotten away from that because it's, I, the whole thing is I, when I started there, um, people had great ideas, but Mm -hmm. they were taking a long time to get to them because I'm, I'm dealing with people that aren't really media trained, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was asking someone in the business about that and they said, well, I mean, don't they know these because of the questions you sent out beforehand? And I thought, (laughs) oh, I've never done that. So now, now, um, you know, it's not just calling someone. I used to just call someone up. We talk for 40, 50 minutes and be done. Now oh, there's emails. I send out a questionnaire. They send it back. Usually do a quick phone call, like a half hour phone call or something, mm-hmm. kind of talk about what we're going to talk about. So now when I ask the questions, those great answers come out a lot quicker Easier. and smoother yeah. than they did before. Yeah. Yeah. I, episode i just listened to you you mentioned that and i was like oh man he's gonna wish i'd send him his questions ahead of time but no i just you're, yeah you're you're doing fine so <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't uh necess- I, I i didn't know that was the reason so i didn't know if you, just, <laughs> you you're yeah you don't you don't need to be drawn out to to get the answers that i've been looking for <laughs> so <laughs> i probably could have just said okay go and then we would have had a, <laughs> we would have had a good episode, but uh, um, I'll just save I'll just save these other um, crazy Illinois laws for next time I next time I talk to you. So um, yeah, absolutely. That <laughs> was that was the easiest part of the research I did for this interview. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, best best of luck in in this this growing season you're planning uh, coming up here in the next couple of months. And, uh, and thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Great. Well, that's it for this episode of the Successful Farming Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Rob Sharkey for being my guest this time. Make sure you check out sharkfarmer.com to check out his podcast. And you can also visit the Farm and Rural Ag Network's website at farmruralag.com to learn more about the other podcasts on on their network to get in touch with this show and get in touch with me you can email podcast at agriculture.com for topic suggestions questions for past guests suggestions for future guests uh, or just to to tell us how much you love the show that'd be great or you can also visit www.agriculture.com slash radio to get more information about other episodes and to see see what's going on on the show thanks for listening and we'll see you next time